0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, Floy's Rising. I'm Sabertooth, I collect NFTs for a living and with me is Kizu, who's a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk about the business of creating, collecting and analyzing NFTs. We interview artists, collectors and other interesting people in the NFT space. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Floor is Rising. I'm Sabretooth. With me is Kizu. And today we have a special guest, Dennis Porter from the YouTube channel and podcast show Smart People Shit. Dennis, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience, um, who you are, just a little bit of background and what you think about NFTs? Uh, Thank you for having me on the show. By the way, both of you, I I really appreciate you reaching out and, and,
1: and having this conversation. I got involved in the Bitcoin space. 2017 is when I started to take a look and did some mining, did some trading, checked everything out, um, stuck to Bitcoin, pretty much have been Bitcoin only the whole time. Early 2020, when the shutdowns occurred, I was stuck in the house like everybody else, decided to jump on that new Clubhouse app and quickly became addicted to talking about bitcoin to people who actually wanted to hear about it for once you know i don't know mo- most of us who try to talk about crypto or bitcoin to our friends oftentimes feel like we're, we're going insane so it was great to finally get on to a platform where there was an unlimited number of people willing to listen sometime after i started my podcast called smart people Shit, as you referenced and then switched to twitter full-time i found it to be a better platform for me i can write tweets um don't always have to talk all the time and also they uh, adapted Clubhouse to spaces. And so I spent a lot of time there as well. I've probably spent close to 2000 hours talking wow. on Clubhouse and in spaces. And I've pretty much always hold the position that I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. If you watched the debate with between me and Udi or listened to that the other day, I make the claim that I don't call NFTs themselves a scam. Although I Udi found the one tweet where I accidentally called them a scam, of course. my position is that I, I think the market itself and what's going on in the marketplace is in a sense a scam to the to the average consumer, the average retail investor mm-hmm. because it's being sold in a way where people believe that they truly do own these items. and my position is that you don't truly own the item that you don't because you don't have the copyright because you don't have the IP. And if you want to be able to display the art, uh, that you purchased, or the item that you purchased in a digital world or metaverse, there is the possibility, depending on which country you live in, that you will not be able to do so unless you also purchase the copyright in the IP. So I don't. So my position is, although Udi caught me in this this bad position, I I totally think he caught he caught me off guard with that tweet that he's him and his people found. I wish that I had uh, I had noticed that tweet. My position is that. I think that the market is somewhat of a scam. I don't really believe the technology itself is a scam. That would be that would be a, a bad position to hold. It's just a piece of technology, and people can decide to use it or not. I'm glad to be on your show to see if maybe my my position and my my process around NFTs can evolve, or if I'll stay the same.
0: I mean, we we tweet all sorts of shit, and everyone tweets all sorts of shit, and you know, ninety percent of the time it's just to, you know, try to get engagement. So what anyone says in one tweet is not really the basis for for an argument. It's really interesting that you say, uh, which is essentially the ownership argument. The argument against the NFT is that you don't own, you know, the copyright to what the NFT is, right? So if you buy an NFT that an artist has released, you're just buying the NFT. You know, you, you don't own the copyright, and when you sell it on, you're just selling it on to someone else who owns the NFT and the, copyright always stays with the artist. And because of that, you think that, you know, because you don't own the IP of what the NFT represents, that the NFT doesn't have the value that everyone thinks it does. Would, I mean, would that be a fair sort of summary of of your position on, on the NFT? Yeah, that, that's definitely,
1: uh, I would say, a very accurate description of, of my position. I think that the way it's being marketed I'm not a fan of it. There's this perception that because the digital art is, is quote unquote digital, that it isn't beholden to the laws of the land. If you try to take this art, and in some countries, it depends on where you are, obviously. But if you try to take the work of an artist, depending on the nation that you're in, and you where their art originated, and put it up in one of these these worlds. You can get a DMCA takedown in the United States, theoretically, or depending on like the UK has very strict laws around artists' work. Honestly, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I don't like the government or regulation any more than the next person, but I want to make sure that the average investor knows what they're purchasing. So I try to educate people as much as possible. And then I tweet out about it. You know, it's not like it's my main core issue. I'm, sure. I'm a big pro Bitcoin guy, I'm a big pro Bitcoin politics guy, but I'll also bring up what I think is some bullshit in the marketplace.
0: I mean, I mean, the thing I'll say to that is that that's actually not any different than anything else, basically. Like, for example, if you go buy a comic book, you buy the comic book and, you know, if you have a first edition, you know, X-Men that released in the nineteen you know 60s, then that's worth a ton of money today, millions and millions of dollars. You don't actually buy the copyright to, you know, <laughs> the X-Men or Marvel. If you, if you bought a, you know, a Picasso painting and you know, for millions and millions of dollars, you didn't buy the copyright to that Picasso. You buy a Basquiat, you didn't buy the copyright to the Basquiat. So pretty much anywhere in the world, any comic book, collectible, art, film, music, anything you buy and all of those things, you know, if they have the appropriate amount of sort of provenance and and age and, and notoriety and scarcity can appreciate a lot without any copyright attached to it so while what you're saying is true that there's no copyright i don't think that is any different than anything else but the difference between
1: the digital art and the physical art is that digital art can be copied perfectly one for one and anyone can do it at any time and no one can tell the difference whereas that's not possible with physical art physical art no matter how hard you try there will be someone who can take a a, a quick look at it someone that these are, there's people that are paid to do this and actually check to see not saying that they're perfect all the time but anatomically they're always going to be different who which one is authentic you know that's not for me or i don't even some people they've been proven it's hard for them to decide but it's not a perfect one-for-one copy that's that's actually impossible and, uh, and when you're talking about paintings obviously works of art if you're talking about anything digital print it's of course, you can make a a copy pretty easily. Now you're talking about who actually controls or owns that copy. So the copy that's in the museum or the copy that's at someone's home, that's a physical art. It's in their possession. They can decide to destroy it. They can decide to keep it in a garage. They can decide to display it publicly. If they want to have it sent to a museum, they have the control over that specific item. It's not really true with with digital items you don't truly control it you can't stop others from using it you can't stop others from from putting it in other places or if you can't make decisions around how it's monetized or or destroyed so that's one of the major issues it's a separate track from digital versus physical and that's where i believe why it's important to say okay well if you really do truly want to own it you have to have the ip and the copyright in order to own this thing Otherwise in the digital world it's there are no rules when it comes to copying or who can use the item itself for their own purposes so that's why i think it's important to in- ensure that copyright and ip is included when buying these items so that you actually have some ability to control the item itself
0: the sort of the key framework that you just put out there is is this framework of ownership when we talk about this ownership concept, it's something that's actually basically defined by human beings, what ownership actually means in all sorts of contexts, right? For example, the whole concept of copyright and IP is basically an artificial construct that was defined, thought up by people and put into law without basically a man-made legal system to enforce this concept of ownership. It doesn't exist, right? Even, for example ownership of physical items, right? Anything, you know, paintings, cars, houses, just any physical thing that you own, uh, mostly is a construct also of basically the rules of human civilization, right? There, there are civilizations in the world that don't have this concept of sort of ownership, <laughs> mostly sort of prehistoric Bronze Age people, but they, they just don't have any concept of ownership. This is again, a, a, an artificial construct of some human civilizations. And so when we move on to blockchain. Cryptocurrencies, both fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens. So this concept of ownership is redefined again. When we talk about ownership in in a cryptographic sense, right? That that you have control of the of the private key. Basically, that's what ownership means when it comes to anything in the in the blockchain space, right? Whether it's Bitcoin an NFT, any other token. So I think a large part of the disagreement is actually the usage of this word ownership and applying it across many different domains when what ownership actually means in each one of those domains are very, very different. So in the NFT domain, ownership basically just means that you have the p- private key to this particular token. And that's just that's what ownership means. Um, any other ownership has no relevance, basically, in the context of an NFT. Yeah, I, I
1: absolutely agree with you. You make a very good point there. We are transitioning away from a world where Ownership is enforced by violence to a world where ownership is enforced by code. And I think that this is a very important transitionary period for human beings. There are individuals much smarter than me that discuss the importance of this transition and just how incredible it will be for human beings as we move away from the need to enforce our ownership through violence. Many, many millions, maybe billions of people have been killed in the process and I talk about it a lot because as we transition, it's important to understand that you know for a long time, humans have, and all related to money, we, we have had money and it has been easily corrupted and has been easily manipulated by those in power for a very long time. And for the first time ever, it, it can't be corrupted, it can't be manipulated in the sense that... Bitcoin can't be corrupted and can't be manipulated, but really what it is doing is it's enforcing ownership as well, and it makes it impossible for someone to come take your money. And people have said that this could go as far as to prevent nation states, if they were to adopt a Bitcoin standard from going to war, because really what war is, is a way to reset economics and it's a way to take other people's gold. And for the first time ever, we, you know, we have a way to stop that from happening. But when you're talking about NFTs and digital art, it's an interesting thing because digital art, in a sense, isn't truly fully 100% digital in the sense that it has a physical manifestation. That physical manifestation that you see is not truly connected to the NFT. So the ownership that you have is the NFT itself, as you stated. And in order for you to have true ownership of the item... It is still technically in the physical world. And that is what my problem is, is that in order for you to have true ownership of the physical manifestation of the digital art, it still needs to be enforced by the laws of the real world, of the laws of violence. And the laws of violence are copyright and IP that are enforced by the courts. And if you try to go outside of those laws, you know maybe you could create a decentralized world. And I hope so. I hope we create a totally decentralized world that people can display and control and own some type of art, and that the laws of man will no longer apply in that digital world. But digital worlds as they stand today are ran off centralized servers and are beholden to DMCA takedowns. They're run on cloud servers. They're run on Amazon. They're on AWS. All that stuff is liable to the laws of the real world. So it's not really escaping. And the digital art has not escaped the the, the rules that are enforced by courts. And that's really where my problem lies inherently.
0: When you say physical manifestation of digital art, do you mean the copyright of the digital art? Is that the physical manifestation you're talking about? So if
1: you have a computer screen and you can see it, Mm -hmm. if you have music and you can hear it, Mm -hmm. it's under the laws of the real world. Just like if you go onto Instagram or TikTok and you try to upload a video uh, with Uh, copyrighted music, there's an algorithm that will actually automatically take that music down.
0: Right, right, and right. there's going to be
1: algorithms that will automatically take down digital art in these metaverses. People think that they just have free reign to use these items as they please because they are in a "quote unquote" digital world. But the digital world and the digital item have physical manifestations, and those physical manifestations are what enable those items to be governed by the laws of the real world.
0: Okay, cool. I understand uh, your argument now. I do disagree with that. Let me um, make an analogy here. So you own an NFT, right? And that NFT has, let's say, it's hosted on, you know, IPFS somewhere. Now, the fact that I can go onto OpenSea, I can sort of right-click and paste it, and you know, put it onto, let's say, like a social media platform like Twitter. That does not mean that I have, I have now appropriated that piece of art essentially what, what, what I've done is I've made a replica of it, just like I can go onto Etsy and make a print of the Mona Lisa. I mean, that's, or I can take a picture of my house or I, you know, I can, I can take a picture of my comic book, like, and post it, like it it just, and the argument would be, well, someone can tell the difference between, the Mona Lisa and a print of it, right? An expert can come and tell, and and the argument would be that nobody can tell the difference. Well, I would say, of course, people can tell the difference, and you tell the difference cryptographically. That's that's the job of the NFT to basically have unique authenticity of that particular piece, because even despite the fact that you can make a perfect replica of the of the sort of the the, the image representation or the or the or the representation on a screen is not actually It's not actually the downside of an NFT. That's the upside of an NFT, right? Nowhere in the history of the world have you been able to make exact replicas of the physical manifestation of a piece of art and still have the original be perfectly distinguishable immediately. Like that has never been possible before. So I think the thing that you see as the downside of the NFT, I see it as actually one of the great upsides of an NFT. It's kind of like we both look at the same thing, but we, we see completely opposite viewpoints on it. That's the world we live in today, isn't it? <laughs> um, so
1: then let's talk about it a little bit. Um so yeah. explain to me, you said you can have a perfect copy. You know, talk about that a little bit because couldn't you just so you have an item that you're saying is ownership is enforced by the NFT of yep. that item. But how do you distinguish the difference between your copy and my copy?
0: I'll make a comparison between like the Mona Lisa. But let's pretend that we have a perfect duplication machine that can duplicate the Mona Lisa exactly down to the atom. Now, this would be a huge problem because if you had that duplicating machine you, and you had two Mona Lisa's in front of you and nobody in the world could tell which one was the original, then that, that would be a huge problem, basically. Because, well, the original has lost value, but you don't actually know like what's happened to it. Now, you, if you take an NFT you can make a perfect replica of it from a physical representation, right? You can, you can take the image, you can paste it on uh, Twitter. You can paste it on Instagram. You can do anything you want with it. And anyone in the world could, could have this image, right? But just because you've copied the image, you have not copied the original, which is the NFT. The NFT is still perfectly valid. It has perfect provenance. You know where the original is from. The original has retained its value. If, if anything, it has increased its value, right? Like, for for something like the Mona Lisa, if you made a million perfect replicas of it and no one could tell, the Mona Lisa would be worthless, right? But if you have an NFT and you made a million replicas of it, it's probably gone up in value just because it's so widely known and and, and appreciated. So, in a sense, you know, the NFT has sort of politically changed the the entire game of sort of creativity and, and content in that. Trying to replicate something is not, you know, is not going to devalue the original. It will actually increase the value of the original because through the power of sort of cryptographic proof of provenance and, and ownership. I think the idea around provenance
1: and the ability to track things with a timestamp is truly the one thing that does interest me about NFTs. And I think that that's why I did t- again the, that tweet. I take it back. Like. Uh, the, the technology itself is not a scam. My position has evolved pretty dramatically since that. Since I put that tweet out, so um, I apologize to anybody who out there who thinks that I'm lying. No, that was that was not me lying. That was when I first started learning about NFTs. I don't think the technology is a scam. In fact, I think that it has potentially great work to be used as a utility. I think it has a real chance to to be used in the real world. So I, I don't I don't have a problem with the technology at all. But but when you're talking about maybe I'm missing something here because mm-hmm. there's you're saying. You have the NFT. You have the can we do this with a physical item? Or are you are you one of the people that doesn't believe NFTs can be fi- like linked to a an actual physical item in the sense that they can truly be connected?
0: I mean, they're as connected as as that connection, right? And and that connection, so like, if you yeah, if you want to link so, something on the blockchain to something in the physical world, it's the connection is as strong as the connection, whatever that connection is, right? So yeah.
1: With your an- analogy that you, um, that you used earlier, you said we have a machine that can make a perfect copy of a Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Let's say the artist made one mm-hmm. copy, and he pointed an NFT at it. So he painted they, the painting they,
0: first. So, yeah. So they
1: he, they pointed the NFT at it. So there's there's this one item um, with the NFT pointed at it, mm-hmm. and then the same artist at the very same time creates mm-hmm. a perfect copy of it, and you can't tell the difference when you look at them whatsoever.
2: Cool. How do okay. I know
1: which item that NFT is pointing
2: at? That you know, if there are two perfectly identical physical um, manifestations of a Mona Lisa, thanks to the machine, and an NFT was tied to one of them, and then if you turn it the other way around and you say, "Well, which of these two identical Mona Lisa's is the NFT pointing at?" So that is a problem, right? Because you have a original you no longer have a one-to-one relationship and you have now two supposed identical replicas or copies in the physical world. And then you only have one token and you can't point, you're not sure which which physical object in the real world that token points to, right? That's a problem that I think doesn't come up if you have a purely on-chain artwork, NFT uh, artwork, because there is no physical manifestation to to risk being plagiarized or replicated. And so therefore, there is no kind of like confusion about which kind of line of ownership that NFT refers to, I think. So that's something that I haven't really thought about because I think truth is the same. I think we've mostly been devoting most of our headspace recently to thinking about the dynamics and the economics of purely on-chain NFT art. In which there isn't a physical reference, there isn't a physical manifestation that was that that is tied to that NFT, right? So I I I want to think about that a bit more, but it's a very interesting kind of like prisoner's dilemma to think about. I think
1: I've been one who, for the most part, when it comes to physical items, firmly believe that NFTs can't link to physical items, and that's kind of why I move over to the argument to say that I, I think it's a misunderstanding to say that even digital art is truly digital, because if you look up the meaning of digital, it is ones and zeros. We've extrapolated the meaning of digital to mean anything on the internet. But when you're talking about ownership and you're talking about IP and copyright, digital takes on a totally different meaning in the sense that Bitcoin is purely digital by definition. It is ones and zeros. It's not there's no physical manifestation of it in a sense that you you when you don't interact with Bitcoin, it's just purely in the cloud. There's no visual of it. The visual that you see is just a user experience that has been created by developers so that we as human beings can have that interaction. Yeah, someone could shut down the wallet, you know, that's possible. Someone could shut down um, my access to the internet, that's possible. But my ownership will never really truly change. It's totally enforced by the blockchain. And by proof of work on the Bitcoin protocol. But let's talk about digital though, because that's, let's just talk about that. Because the physical one, I actually don't even think, and there are people in the NFT space who who agree that you can't do this with physical items. But let's explain, because I I don't fully understand, I'm starting to, I'm still learning what connects the NFT to a digital item. Because I've heard that there are anything from links to IPFS. And I'm kind of curious, like, what the difference is and why people have moved to the IPFS system?
0: So when NFTs first came into the public uh, consciousness, when it was basically first invented, which was back in 2017, and and a lot of NFT projects sort of came on that ICO train and and did a lot of sort of cash grabs in in 2018. A lot of these projects are no longer around because what happened was they they created the, the NFT and they pointed the NFT at just an image that's on an AWS server. And then they no longer renew the hosting and that's it. You you have this NFT. It's now pointing to a, to a domain that's expired or an AWS server that's no longer paid for and you have nothing. You know, that was, that was a lot of what happened in the early days of the NFT. So that doesn't happen much anymore because, you know, people are more educated as to what to do. So then people graduated to sort of hosting their nft content on ipfs which is a decentralized file host that does not rely on you know centralized um, hosts and depending on how it's set up can live forever right so we're talking about networks like filecoin like R weave them two very popular well our weave is more popular amongst the nft uh sort of population where you know it's basically a decentralized file storage that is hosted on a on a blockchain. So, as long as the R Weave network, you know, survives, your NFT content will will survive, basically. And and so a lot of what people are doing nowadays is that. So, when you're talking about sort of IPFS image and metadata hosting, that's what they're referring to. But that's not kind of what's the state of the art right now in NFT. So. So, what's state of the art in NFT right now is to not rely on any external, just not to rely on anything external, right? And so they recreate the entire NFT, meaning the entire art, in the smart contract, right? And so, for example, on Ethereum, um, there are projects, most famous of which is Art Blocks, but there's other projects like for Mergents, um, like the Dudes. And, and I forgot to mention Autoglyphs, which is the first project that did this uh, in 2019, that the entire art itself is drawn from code in the smart contract. So basically, as long as the Ethereum blockchain lives, the, the NFT can recreate the entire art. But it is basically possible to recreate the entire piece of art directly from the smart contract with no need for any external oracles to um, whatever blockchain that the art is on. So that currently is sort of the state of the art. So under that kind of NFT has already, I think, gotten to what you refer to as kind of the Bitcoin state, which is it requires no external, no external parties are needed for that NFT to perfectly hold both its cryptographic value, it's artistic value, and it's provenance value, basically. That's the state of the art right now in NFTs.
1: Mm-hmm. But you're, you're, the comment that you made, though, I think is true. It's like the NFT still relies on this external party or group, which from my understanding, even with the IPFS, certain artworks have been gone temporarily missing, um, even from artists like Grimes and Dead Mouse and Steve Aoki. So big, so big people here. This is not just like some little one-off artists that are losing their access to their... And it was restored, right? So it's that's good. But I think the fact that NFTs rely on external parties is a big problem. So I'm glad to hear that something is being done to mitigate that. And that's really kind of what I'm trying to point out here is like the NFT is not a scam. It's just that I, I don't think that this thing is totally figured out. And people are putting a lot of money and hopes and dreams into this idea and are not being totally educated on the fact that the ownership is not enforced and relies on this external thing for it to even survive. So I hope that the NFT space is able to figure it out. I think that putting a photo on the blockchain in in a smart contract, the way you're describing, sounds like a pretty expensive transaction. So it would need to be done in a way where there's some pretty incredible amounts of scale scaling occurring, or maybe the item is just so expensive that it's worth literally coding. Because I mean, like a, bi- a Bitcoin block is like two megabytes, right? So imagine trying to take up an entire block of transactions. Um, it's uh, not obviously it's, they go up to four megabytes, but
0: it's not so much that they're putting like a photo on the blockchain. So the stuff that is sort of fully on, fully on chain, most of it is, and, and this is probably the well, this is the most height sort of part of the NFTs today, right? So th- so we're talking about on-chain generative art. You know, over the past I would say like half a year, the fastest growing sector of NFTs is on-chain gen- generative art. So mostly it's it's coders, programmers who basically create a smart contract and that smart contract, you know, takes in input and what is outputted is basically generative art. There's no storage of any data on the blockchain. It's basically an instruction set. The art is produced by the instruction set, not, not any sort of pre-stored uh, photo. Interesting. Yeah, I'd have to look into that more. That sounds very interesting. Because
1: yeah, I've, I've said that I think that this, especially with the provenance and the time stamping, if something can be figured out to get around the the need for enforcement or the need to store the image on a third-party site or even with IPFS, I think that that would be something that would begin to really open the doors as far as my large amounts of my hesitancy around this marketplace. Because again, I've not, say it again, I don't think the NFT itself, the technology itself is a scam. Just I believe it's important to tell people and and let people know exactly what they're buying and that the, the, the problems that are still inherent in the technology and what needs to be overcome. So if that's if what you're saying is true, I'd love to learn more about it and, and maybe become an NFT, uh, pro NFT guy, if, if possible, because
0: <laughs> a lot more people would like me. That's for damn sure if I was a pro NFT guy. <laughs> well, this, this episode will be a lot less entertaining. And I really thank you for, for coming on Dennis, because pretty much every single guest we've on and every, every single guest we've had, and all of us are, you know, big NFT sort of bulls. And it's just good to, to, to talk to you that has a little bit of NFT skepticism. So it's. I really thank you for uh, for coming onto the show. Yeah. Thank you, Sabretooth and,
1: and Kizu. I, I appreciate it. You guys are both great hosts. Would happy be happy to come on and discuss my opinions around the smart contract generative NFTs once I get a chance to look through them. So I, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for listening to this episode of Floor Is Rising. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. If you want to reach out to us, our DMs are open. Sliding to our DMs on Twitter at Floor Is Rising.